So today we have very special guests. Uh, they've flown in all the way from California. Uh, actually, uh, Pastor Dave Gibbons has been coming out to Korea apparently two to three times a year. And uh, he's just been meeting with key business leaders, uh, key church leaders, and just doing like God's, you know, covert work. You know what I mean? That stuff that you might not see uh, published on the internet or, or at a conference, but it's just as powerful, even more powerful and potent. You know, like, like you, I just saw Skyfall this past week, the new 007 film. You know what I'm saying? That's why I got my new custom-made suit on right here. Actually, I want to thank uh, some of the core leaders, Pastor John and Anita and John Michael and Sky, and they all contributed to this new suit. It took like a whole year to get it, but I finally got one. Um, but yeah, uh, if you look in that movie, man, there, he, all that MI6, you know, it's like the British CIA, you know, everything is under, under, you know, under, underground, undercover, you know? And that's, that's some powerful stuff. It keeps the country safe, keeps the world safe, and... You know what? There's another work that God does through his people that's undercover. It's just as powerful as keeping the world safe. You know, if it wasn't for the church, the world would, would just face, you know, this disaster. It would be destruction. But it's because of the remnant of God's people that God plants and, and sprinkles that all over the world. That those cities and nations can be preserved from destruction can be preserved from all of the depravity that would otherwise would come when man is left up to his own devices. And so Pastor Dave Gibbons is doing some powerful work. And uh, this time around when he came to Korea, he, uh, we got to connect. And I invited him out to come speak here at New Philly. So yesterday he uh, had some time with our leaders. This morning he went and he spoke for our Korean church, our Korean ministry, Jeri-Songdo, at 10 a.m. Our sister Jew translated wonderfully. Great job. And, uh, man, I can't share what happened, but it was powerful. Like stuff you didn't see up on the stage. Uh, God was doing powerfully. Uh, and so we knew clearly why God opened up this door for Pastor Dave Gibbons to preach this morning uh, at the KM. And so, so man, what a powerful testimony from this morning. And uh, God's not through yet. because He's going to be speaking to us uh, here today. First, I want to introduce uh, Rebecca. Uh, that's Hamonim of New Song Church right here. She's visiting. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we've just been having a wonderful t- time. Uh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I just spending time with them. We had dinner with them last night. And man, it was just, it was just, it was just there was not a silent moment. It was just so much that the Lord was doing and just blessing our conversation. But without further ado, let's put our hands together to welcome our Pastor Dave Gibbons from New Song Church. All right. I felt called to inspire and encourage 300 warriors today. I looked at that, uh, your bulletin says raising up an army, so I guess that's so. Because I, seriously, when I first met you, like, you know, this time around, I just kept hearing the word warrior. And, uh, and I found out he's a mixed martial artist. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, dude, so don't, don't mess with Mr. Bruce Lee over there. 
No, but I'm pumped to be with you. Um, I'm expecting God to show up. And uh, I'm expecting that fires can be lit in some of your hearts uh, that will never die. Uh, even when I'm on your deathbed someday, you'll still be on fire. And uh, so something's going to stir this morning. And uh, it's not meant to be something that's just a one flash of bright light. It's actually meant to be a sustainable fire. And in John chapter 4, it says in verse 39, that many Samaritans believed. And my guess your word for this year is multiply. And so my belief is that you're wondering, how do I multiply my life? How do I really make a difference with my life? Like whatever job you take, how do I actually see where things are just become exponential? And it's not that you're going to see maybe millions saved yourself, but maybe through your witness, through who you, who you are and how you do your work, which is excellent work, that Jesus will be seen, and people will come to know him. How is that actually going to be done? So I want to talk about the nitty-gritty of that, because what happens in the supernatural movement is a lot of times we're just focusing on the miracles, which is important, but we don't really talk about the encounters with Jesus that are in the, the private places of our heart, as well as also in the community when we're just doing our work Monday through Saturday. So I really want to hit and nail this down for some of you, because some of you I know are really practical and you're pragmatic, and you get pumped up here on Sunday, but you don't know what it looks like in the real world. So I want to just kind of break it down through a conversation that's really one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. It's John chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, turn to John 4, and I'm going to pray, then I'm going to show a vid in a second, all right? Father, right now, just like you did in 10 o'clock service, we just pray for double blessing right here. Because, Lord, this, these are your kids, and you're madly in love with them. And I know, Father, you're not asking them necessarily just to do more. Lord, they're doing a lot right now. But, Father, I pray that they just feel your favor right now, and they feel this power in them that will never be diminished. So flow into this room right now in a way that would ignite our hearts. Ignite it as one. Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, Holy Spirit. Just come in this room. Fall in this room now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the greatest qualities of a leader is the ability to see. It's to actually be able to observe what's happening. Because a lot of times people will be looking, but they really don't see you. So I want to do a test this morning. It's actually called an awareness test. Some of you may have seen this on YouTube before. Uh, what you're going to try to do, be very careful now, pay close attention. There's some guys in white. They're going to be passing a basketball. I want you to count how many times they pass the ball. We'll see who's some of the best observers in this room. Let's check it out. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear?
Okay. Crazy, huh? That is actually a phenomenon that sociologists would call, and even maybe neurologists, inattentional blindness. You could be looking at something, your eyes are looking at it, but you're not actually picking it up with your brain. Because what happens is when you look at things, you see with patterns. You're used to looking at certain things. I know this is true. On the highways of California, I'm riding my motorcycle, and I have motorists that are looking right at me, and they don't see me. So they cut right in front of me. Inattentional blindness. Could it be true that sometimes in the Christian life, you're looking at things that are moving, and you're seeing supernatural, but you're actually missing the Spirit of God? You see, you can have frenetic activity, and you can have high emotion, but it may not necessarily be of the Spirit. And that's what Isaiah even talks about. Isaiah, clearly in Isaiah 58, discusses how our worship and our fasting can be amazing. But he says something is more important than just our outward show. It's actually maybe our service, our activism, loving the widows, caring for the orphans. I want to talk to you about that nitty-gritty work. The supernatural is not just going to happen on Sunday mornings, and it should when we're worshiping God, but the supernatural can happen tomorrow, yeah. uh, whether you're in school or whether you're in your workplace, and it's like that same old routine, you can actually see the Holy Spirit, the dancing bear, going across the workplace. Because seriously, if all it is is about Sundays and you just live for the weekends, that's sad. You see, because the truth is most of your life is outside this box. And so I want you to wake, awaken to this reality of the moonwalking bear, the Holy Spirit, who is alive, wanting to experience his power everywhere you go. How is that done? Well, a great model for us is Jesus, okay? I want you to look at John chapter 4, check out verse 1, or not 1, I actually go to verse uh, 4. It says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. He eventually came to the Samaritan village of Sakar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Noontime is probably one of the ho- hottest times of the day. Not a very comfortable time. Uh, the Samaritan woman is coming uh, a little later than most of the women. They would come earlier when the sun's not out. But because she was a Samaritan, she couldn't come at that time. She was the outcast. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, Okay, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me. And I would give you living water. This is kind of Bruce Lee-ish. Because, you know, she's going to be talking on one plane. She's talking about the real material water. And Jesus is talking on another cryptic level, it seems. But he's talking on this higher plane. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well's a very deep. Well, where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? And how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
Please, sir. Oh, man. The woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Well, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. It's a really interesting response. Because, again, she's at a certain time, and she's just kind of living the normal routine, and Jesus is going to go deep. And you're going to find this is true at your workplace and in school. Everybody's going through their normal routines. But if you'll pay attention, and you can see, you're going to have moments like this. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, well, you're right. You don't have a husband. Or you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And then I want you to go to the next verse. Go to verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I love this. I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Okay, let's just stop there. Let me give you a, a few things to think about and how you can live the supernatural life on Monday morning. Okay, number one, you have to be ready to step into discomfort. Okay? Jesus went during the hottest time of the day. He also went to hang out with Samaritans. These were the outcasts. In fact, if you read the historical annals of Josephus, he will tell you that for a Jewish mom to imagine her Jewish son to marry a Samaritan who was a half-Jew, half-Gentile, a Creole-type person, it was worse than going to hell. Okay, so... Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to Samaritans, let alone to Samaritan women. It was like a double offense. Jesus goes into these offensive places. You see, this is really important to note because a lot of times you're going to find in your workplace and in your Christian life, you're going to gravitate toward the normality of just the normal routines of your life, the normal rhythms. But in fact, God has called you to live a contrarian life. Um, For example, the two greatest commandments of of the word of God when Jesus was asked are what two commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The great question Jesus was asked was, well, who is my neighbor? How did Jesus respond to that? Well, he did a Bruce Lee again. Okay, Bruce Lee, you know, cryptic. You know, instead of giving him a direct answer like the Western world typically does, they just kind of blot, blur it out, and there it is. Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. (laughs) And he tells actually the Good Samaritan story, how a Samaritan loved a Jew, helped this guy out, and gave him everything in his wallet, basically. So who is the neighbor then? You got to get this. This is huge for your Christian life. It's someone not like you. The American church has said to someone like us. That's how we big, build great churches. So they actually create a demographic of who you're supposed to target. Target people like you, and then we can inflate our numbers. Actually, what's the big deal about that? See, God knew that when you can love someone that's not like you, someone that you would even hate and not want to be around, almost unforgivable, 
that people maybe could see the divine love of God. You see, that stands out. So that's why it's so important for you to work through people that are unforgivable in your life. Your dads, your moms, that friend that talked behind your back. You see, that thing will eat at you the rest of your life. You become a prisoner to that person, even though you've abdicated a relationship with them. You see, you do some of the greatest supernatural work when you're loving your neighbor, someone not like you. That's why Nelson Mandela will get a Nobel Peace Prize. Because in South Africa, they were killing his neighbors and his clan, his tribe, his people. But then he would start a reconciliation movement in South Africa. And love those who killed his people. You see, it's divine when you love someone not like you. Who's not like you right now that you're supposed to love? Who are you having trouble with? Is it your dad? Did he do something so horrible? Yeah. Maybe he did. But is God saying for you to not necessarily like him, but love him? You see, you don't have to have the emotion all there to love a person. Because love is a choice. It's a commitment to do what's right, even though you don't feel like it. That's love. Supernatural happens when you step into discomfort, just like Jesus did. The second thing I want you to see about this is not only did he step into discomfort, he moved into a meaningful conversation with the Samaritan women. We live right now, sociologists say, in probably one of the most socially awkward generations ever. (laughs) And it's because our guys and ourselves, we're so caught up in our technology, and we live in these alternative universes. We would create avatars to represent us. And we have icons and cartoon figures on our Facebook pages or our Twitter accounts. And they're not really us. Or we create these aliases. These fic, you know, fictitious uh, figments of our imagination. So when we're actually engaged in real life, a lot of us don't know how to do it. And so when we hit conflict, man, we just run away. So what we're lacking maybe in the supernatural realm, I think, and how we engage the supernatural realm, is actually to talk to someone. To listen to someone. Could that be a divine act? That maybe if you actually listen and get to know a person, that maybe that's like Jesus? You see, Jesus didn't look past people. He saw their souls. See, don't you see what was the unique thing about Jesus in this relationship with a Samaritan woman? All her life, the guys were looking at her body. All her life. But finally, she meets a man who saw her soul. And that transformed her. Do you see and enter into meaningful conversations with people? Do you get past like, oh, I'm doing okay, and you really look at their body language and ask the Spirit, is it really okay, Holy Spirit? Do I need to ask Him a deeper probing question? Come on, Holy Spirit. So you're at work, and so what's cool about this, when you're at work, you know, you're going to be working along, and suddenly the Spirit says, hey, do you see what's going on with that person? Go talk to him. Ask him a question about just normal stuff, and watch how God will use you to have a conversation just like this. And then work gets exciting. It's an adventure. It's not just about Sundays. It's every day. 
It's what I call, you have to get ready to, by the way, um, what I call the last 10%. Here's the last 10%. What happens as you go deeper with people and you've chosen to get into meaningful conversations, inevitably you're going to run into conflict. The last 10% with a relationship is the stuff you don't want to talk about. Because trust me, even here in New Philly, the church of brotherly love. You know what's going to happen sometimes is you're not going to feel brotherly or sisterly love towards each other. And so what you have to do is to step into that space and bring that up with a person with love and talk about that last 10%. If you start working through that, what's going to help is in your marriage someday, you're going to get really deep because you're going to hit walls like this where you're not going to want to talk about stuff. You're going to want to run away. I've been reading this book and I encourage you to read it. It's called Crucial Conversations. I don't even think it's written by a Christian, but some real wisdom in it. And it basically he says, when you get mad or you're upset, your, bodily, you know, your body physically responds to that, that, even though you don't consciously even know it. If you, since I'm telling you now, you're going to see it happen. What happens is your adrenal glands kick in when you feel threatened or someone's like attacking you or saying something mean. It just starts sparking. And then your adrenaline goes up to your brain and says, you know, you're being threatened. And then what happens, your brain then says, send blood to the right parts of the body. If you're threatened, where's that blood going to go? To two primary spots, neurologists say. To your arms and to your legs. You get that, right? So you can fight or you want to run away. That's how we all act. When you're feeling threatened, you'll see some guys, oh, yeah, and then you get right back at them in their face. Others, okay, I'm out of here. And then you run the opposite direction. This is a normal human response. You don't even know your body's doing this, but it's part of your humanity. God wired you so you could be safe that way. But if you're going to do relationships, you actually have to stay curious. You have to keep your spirit down say, Holy Spirit, take over. And help me to engage with a calmness of spirit to really understand why this person's upset. Start asking questions. You see, what happens is your blood is going mostly to your arms and to your legs when it should be going to your brain. And less blood's going there. So step into discomfort, move into meaningful conversations with people, socially awkward ones, the last 10%. You have to learn how to do that. Engage people, not just with your lips, but become really good with listening. In fact, one of the best qualities, whenever I'm looking at I talk to tons of great leaders throughout the world, whether they're artists, entertainers, or business leaders in Seoul or wherever. And I, I can see it. The greatest leaders, they know how to listen. The people who are constantly talking, you know, something's not right. They're too consumed with themselves or they're really nervous. Or they're just not unaware of how much they're consuming and dominating a conversation. No one's ever told them. And see, that's why you'll find sometimes, even in this church probably, there's going to be some people that once you see them, you don't want to go near. Because that's like an hour conversation that you don't want to have. <laughs> but no one's ever told them. Yeah, it's sad. Okay, so, the, so, here's, so that was two things. Okay, step into discomfort, move into meaningful conversations, and then the third thing is leverage the supernatural in your everyday moments.
Okay, leverage the supernatural. Because sometimes we just look at power encounters, like as like at church on Sunday morning or when we get together to do treasure hunts or whatever they may be. But my guess is that you can leverage the supernatural every day wherever you go. You just have to be awakened to it. Keep your eyes open, right? Um, you see Jesus doing this. In this moment of this conversation, he does prophetic evangelism. He basically says, uh, you've been having five, you have five husbands. And in fact, you're sleeping with somebody, you know, you're living with him. They're not, he's not even your husband. She's shocked. She says, oh, you must be a prophet. It stuns him. See, that's really important. There's this uh, occasion, there's this, uh, uh, I was getting into a, a, a taxi or a limo that I was getting picked up at in, in uh, Irvine. I, I'm from Orange County. I think Kay, is it Kaylee was from Orange County. Yeah, I, I was, I'm from Orange County. So I was about to head off to L.A. to fly to New York City. And I, once I get into the car, I know I, I look really extroverted, but actually my personality type's an INFP. I tend to be more introverted. And so, I, you know, I enjoy talking to myself. I tell people all the time. Uh, I, don't, I'm, I don't mind being by myself. I, in fact, I choose to be by myself. And so what happens is when I get into a car, usually I like to go private. And I'll go into my own little bubble. And it's like if people try to talk to me, I, I try to not be as, like, you know, effervacious and I, not as friendly. I'll be friendly enough, but not enough to know, like, I don't really want to talk. <laughs> And so I know it's not very Jesus-like, but I'm just telling you, I'm keeping it real, okay? Because this is my personality. So I have to step into discomfort. So I was in that car, and I had to step into discomfort because as I was wanting to read and think about other stuff, God says, you need to talk to your driver. And I said, man, I don't want to, you know? And this guy's probably like 55, and he looked like he was from um, the Middle East. And the Lord says, you got to talk to him. So I said, okay. I go, what's your name? <laughs> Mohammed. <laughs> I go, oh, okay. So I thought, I'm just going to get right into it. I go, what do you think about Jesus? And he just gives this really interesting response. I don't want to say it because it, if it got online, it may be kind of uh, offensive to some from the Middle East. But he said some really crazy stuff. And then as he got into it, I'm just praying to God, would you show, show me something about him? And then I started seeing his brain. Okay, and I go, this guy's brain's like huge. So I go, this guy must mean, you know, it wasn't like his head was that way, but it was just like his, I was thinking, seeing his mind that was just brilliant. And I said, you know, are you kind of like an academic? He goes, how did you know? He goes, I got my master's degree from, in business in Iran. Mm-hmm. And he got really quiet. And then I said, Lord, come on, help me out. Anything else? <laughs> Because, you know, I'm new to this stuff because, you know, I, I read in the scriptures and I want to learn this. I said, Lord, come on. Suddenly then I saw like this large woman, but I didn't know how to bring it up. <laughs> so I just, you know, I just kind of, I, you know, I don't know how to do things sometimes gently. I just brought it out. I said, is there a big woman in your life? <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't trying to be offensive. I, I was just, that's why I saw. He goes, yeah. And she's causing me lots of trouble. How do you know? And I said, uh, I think it's Jesus. And I think he wants you to know how, just how much he's crazy about you, man. And he just loves you. Then he got quiet again. And then minutes later, he goes, sir, 
I think I'm about to cry. And so we're almost getting close to LAX, and I said, man, i got to close the deal right here, because this guy, it's getting thick in that car. And I said, hey, bro, I said, I think you need to say yes to Jesus, man. And I think you're encountering him now, so why don't we pray, but keep your eyes open. (laughs) And why don't you just say this prayer in your heart, you know? And I went through this, like, sinner's prayer with him. And he accepts Jesus. He's just like weeping. He goes, I feel different. And then as we pulled up to the terminal, I thought I heard God say again. Because, again, I'm used to, like, God in my life this way, right? Because I'm not used to supernatural stuff. And I, I thought I heard God say, David, give him everything in your wallet. And I said, No. <laughs> I said, I just went to the ATM. I'm going to New York City. And so I said, no, Lord. And then I heard this. I know you're arguing in your head whether this is me or not. It doesn't matter. You just need to learn how to give everything you have. I knew that's not me. (laughs) And so... Reluctantly, I got out of the car. He's, you know, he's, he's bolting over to open my door. I got out of the car. I pulled my wallet. And I said, here, God told me to give you this. <laughs> he ran away from me like I had leprosy. He ran the other side of the car, the driver's side. He said, sir, you cannot give me money. I cannot take it. For you have given me something better than money. That was just a ride in a taxi to LAX. Don't you know, and that's a Muslim, by the way, all my um, salvations uh, where I've witnessed and led people, to, I haven't done this like in a while, but I'm, I'm getting into the flow here. Every time I've led a person crisis past year, they were Muslims. Because you see, Muslims don't necessarily believe you can self-realize maybe God in your life. Like you can experience it. So when they have an encounter, it goes past the rationale into a real experience. I'm telling you, if you guys would go with your eyes open, the dancing bear, he's doing the moonwalk all around. But again, if you're just keeping your eyes on, your eyes are set to just go to school, to just do my crazy, boring work. When maybe it's not so much just about your job. It's how you do your job. You see, you do it with an extraordinary spirit. And that's what made the difference with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did the work of other people, but it was with a different spirit. You see, when you have joy, you can make a boring job alive. You see, when you do great work, whether you're in the arts or you're in the business, that actually brings glory to God. It's not you just preaching or just coming to church or doing mission trips. It's everyday life. So step into discomfort, move into meaningful conversations, leverage the supernatural. Um, I'm seeing this happen all over the place uh, as I travel around the world. It's really amazing. And it really started with my kids because it sparked, sparked something in me. Um, my son, 
uh, Luke. He's like six foot three or two. I forget how big he is now. Uh, he's, you know, he's a handsome young man, takes after my wife, you know, just b- beautiful young guy, right? And he's just growing strong. But he, he got involved in the pharmaceutical industry when he was in, in the teenage years. Started taking some drugs, all right? <laughs> uh, and so he experienced a lot of different party drugs. And it's because, you know, I tell people the most dangerous place in the world is probably either a local church or a suburb of America. You know, they said the number one reason, for example, in our suburb in, in, in Southern California, people, people are leaving Orange County. The number one reason. Guess why, what it is? Because they're bored. It's the number one reason. An urban planner just told me that. He's an urban planner for Orange County. He said the number one reason from studies are saying people are bored. So see, where are they trying to get their excitement? And where are you getting, trying to get your excitement? It's the next thrill. It could be like, you know, the drugs. It could be the next party. It's the next movie that comes out. Like, that's the highest moment. It could be even just like, like the big spiritual encounter. It's like you're living for this at next high. And those are going to happen, you know, normally. This can be fun. But then there's a lot of little things that are really supernatural, like conversations like this that no one sees. But you know Jesus is showing up. And you feel just as pumped as like in a big revival meeting. Okay. So anyways, my son is, uh, you know, he's going through the stuff. I, he went to YWAM and Kona. You know, I, I sent my kids there. And while he's there, the Holy Spirit just drops down, speaks to him. He goes to Nepal with his team. And then he calls me. Okay, this is so cool. He calls me up. And my wife up says, hey, Dad, can you pray for us? You know, there's a lot of, like, blind people around here that maybe the blind could see. He goes, and Dad, there's even dead people around. He goes, and the outskirts of Kathmandu. He said, Dad, they're burning like these bodies of dead people and offering. And also, sometimes they're even burning people who are alive. And so, so, Dad, no one knows about this, but we're praying that we could raise the dead. And he says, Dad, there's even people who are crippled all over the place. Just pray that we could see miracles happen. So, again, I'm kind of new to this whole stuff. I said, yeah, okay, but I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> we start praying for him, and then it's cool. A couple weeks later, he calls back and says, Dad. You're not going to believe this. There's just guys that were blind. We laid hands on them. And, Dad, they can see now. So, Dad, there's this man that could barely walk with a cane. Old man. He threw away his cane and started dancing in the streets. And, Dad, this was the real freaky one. There was a man in the middle of the street. He turned blue. But he says, Dad, I felt like there's a magnet drawing me to this man, not to leave. felt the Holy Spirit saying, stay here. Friends gathered around. A doctor was there and says it looks like toxic alcohol syndrome. Basically, he's dead. It looks that way. All his friends are gathered, and Luke then comes up to the doctor and says, do you mind if I pray for him? doctor says, I don't care. Go ahead. A witch doctor is in the background now chanting. Luke starts laying his hands on the man and starts praying. As soon as he starts praying, the man goes... <gasps> And then he starts speaking in the tongues of demons. My, my son said he ran back to, <laughs> to where all his team is and said, I need help. And so they got their team and they had to hold the man down. He says, all these big guys were holding this man down. He says, for the next hour, he cast out 10 demons. This is my son who's in Irvine, California, right? Suburbs. But he's living the supernatural life. 
You see, my reality is this. Whether it's Kathmandu, Los Angeles, or New York City, or Seoul, Korea, in your school, or in your workplace, or in your neighborhood, you can experience the supernatural. You see, if you'll live this way, you become dangerous. You are ignited with a certain power that cannot be held back. You see, again, it's not you having to be hyped even because some of you are thinking, I can't do that. My personality's not that way. Well, it's okay. I told, I told the group yesterday, the most dangerous people are often the silent ones. The ones who are kind of loud sometimes, they're cool and powerful, but they get killed right away. The, the mafia boss is in the back, and he's just sitting, drinking his wine, checking things out. It's, all these bodyguards are fighting it out. <laughs> you see, some of you, I think, need to be encouraged that way. God uses all the different gifts of the Spirit. Don't feel like you have to be something you're not. You with me on that? Okay, so here you got it. Step into discomfort, move into meaningful conversations, leverage the supernatural. And then I want you to see this. Check it out. As I started with verse 39, I wrapped this up with these thoughts. It says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. See, that's a really powerful line. You see, um, why she was changed is because someone saw her. Again, that's why it's important to see again. That's why my point is, are you seeing the dancing bear? Not just the Holy Spirit, but are you seeing people? The reason why, you know, again, she was feeling so changed was someone saw me. This man saw me. He saw me like no other man. But then look what happens after this. In verse 40, he says, when they came out to see Jesus, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Here's the last point. You're going to see the supernatural if you stay a while. Any great relationships require staying power. Because as you go deep with people, trust me, you're going to want to quit on it. You want to fight or you want to run away. But to make great relationships, you stay in the game. That's why I'm glad my wife's with me. Okay? Because we've been married for 28 years. And uh, she married basically a 22-year-old child. And uh, I was immature I had these huge expectations. You know, I, I expected her to be like Mother Teresa. Not like, look like Mother Teresa, but be like Mother <laughs> Teresa, okay? And I, I expect her to be, like, be this amazing person. And, uh, and when it, you know, she is amazingly spiritually, but when it wasn't met, and I'm sure I disappointed her, I just felt disheartened. And I found that that's probably the way my Christian life was, was like, I would have these visions of pastors or leaders, and then I see their flaws, get disappointed, and not want to hang around. And then I saw that's what my dad did, basically. He didn't have the staying power. And I felt, oh, maybe one of the greatest supernatural acts is when we can stay with people a while. And that's why he says in the New Testament, I will never, 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 never leave you. In the Greek, it's, it's translated like multiple times like that. I will never leave you. And don't you know in a relationship, when you get married someday... That's very important. You see, because if they think you're going to leave, what happens? 
the relationship can't thrive. You can't be vulnerable. You won't be transparent. You won't take the risk. But when you know that person's going to be there, see, my wife, the thing I, you know, it's really cool to me because when I, my, my parents divorced, my, my parents went through a horrific divorce. And it was like five years of hell. I still remember the night that my mom locked herself up in the car and she started ripping the seats apart with a knife. And all our neighbors were peering out the window saying, what happened to the Gibbons family? Because seriously, our family was considered like the Brady Bunch. Like this is like the unique family like that everybody wants to belong to. And they saw like this fight going on. Mom was in the car ripping it apart. Police cars came, three Three cars converged on, in our, our middle-class neighborhood. Eventually, my pastor came, and my mom wilted into his arms. When she came, came walking by, you know, she, uh, I could see she was just broken. I said, what happened? She said, your dad had an affair. Your dad had an affair. And I just remember my spirit dropped. My mom was never the same. She went from actually 120 pounds to 90 pounds in weight. Anything she would try to eat, she'd vomit back up again. She started drinking. I mean, she drank hard. Uh, there'd be nights she wouldn't come home. Um, I'm the eldest son, so I was, my room was right by the door. And since I'm the eldest son, when mom came home, I was the one that would go and bring her in. And uh, she, you could smell the alcohol in her breath, and she'd just be sobbing in the front step, wilted there. I'd just pick her up and bring her inside the house. We'd plop down inside the front door, and she'd just look into my eyes saying, Why, David? Why me? Why me? And so, you know, I saw the devastation. Eventually, my mom, you know, in uh, my sophomore year, about five years later in college, she, she was killed by a drunk driver uh, in a hit-and-run accident. And it just uh, devastated me. So I just saw, like, the decline of a person's life because my mom used to be very vivacious, so energetic. And I saw her life just dwindle down. And she knew Jesus, but... She was overwhelmed by the despair of her life. And so one of the things I prayed for with my marriage, I said, someday, God, you know, when I get married, and I said, please, I want to get married. I said, I said, Lord, I want a woman that's loyal. I mean, can did you just bring someone to my life that will stay around a while? I, I mean, if there's anybody that kind of will, will have any sense they want to leave me at all, it'd be like a nightmare all over again. So, God, come on. I need someone that's, like, really loyal. You know what her name means when I met Rebecca? You know what her name means? I found out. Rebecca means earnest devotion. Translated, loyalty. (laughs) He gave me exactly what I needed. And what's so cool about her is when I went through my emotional ups and downs, and I went through a lot of them, even though I'm a pastor, I didn't act like a pastor sometimes. I didn't talk like a pastor. I said some mean things. But she treated me like I was a son of God still. She respected me. I still remember so many times when I would say mean things to her. And she said, Dave, and she, with tears in her eyes, why can't you think the best of me? And um, there are so many times, I, I can't tell you, so many times she was just Jesus in my life. So I'm sure, you know, she felt horrible sometimes. I made her feel horrible. And sometimes I felt like leaving. But after 28 years, I can tell you this, where our marriage maybe used to drain us, it's now become like this big oak tree. 
And you can sit underneath the shade and you can find rest there. You see, there's something about staying power. It's supernatural. When a friend knows you're going to always be there no matter what they say, what they do, it's actually called agape, unconditional love. I'm going to be here for you. It doesn't mean they're going to, you're going to let them abuse you. You'll call things out. But it means you're going to stay in the game and love as best as you can love. Not like. You don't have to like that person. You're called to love them. <laughs> Come on, Philadelphia. <laughs> City of brotherly love and sisterly love. Come on. Hey, I love you guys. And my belief is that today, God wants to release the supernatural in you, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on mission trips, but every day. And you know what's going to happen if you'll see yourself this way? This thing cannot hold the people that will start coming to Philadelphia. You're going to have to keep starting multi-sites. Because then you become a real church. That's not just within a box, but it's outside these walls. Then we're talking real stuff. Where you don't have all these people around you, but they see that there's an extraordinary spirit in you. Come on now. I felt a need to pray for a certain groups of people today. I felt there was someone in the back that was wearing green. I didn't even look in the back, but there was someone in the back that, need, that was wearing green that needs to come and get prayer. And then also I felt this, that there was women that need to be prayed for today. Because I, I was burdened by the Samaritan women. And I met the founding wife, uh, the pastor, um, the senior pastor's wife. I said, man, this woman's like designed to be an apostle. She's got like this apostolic gift in it. So I go, that's in the DNA of this church. So I just want to pray that that's released. That all of you who feel like, some of you women, you felt abused. You always looked at second-class citizens, maybe. But you know God's giving you some game. And like, you can speak. You can, you know, maybe you've been a little bit shy or you actually, I don't know. But I feel like some of you just need prayer to feel full release. That you're just fully free to do God's thing, no matter what men think about you or culture thinks about you, but you're totally free. Okay? So I thought we need to pray for you, too. And then maybe there'll be other things, Christian things, that we should pray about, but those are at least two things. So how about, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if we can make you come forward. I don't think there's enough space here. How, how, you know how to do it? Oh, okay. All right. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have Christian take over. And if you need prayer that way, I'm going to ask the prayer team, I guess, too, will come forward and will help us out here. We want to pray for you. I'm going to pray this for release of power in your life. Not just, again, in the, the great encounters, but the great encounters in the normal every day. Okay? So let's really ask God to do that. So I'll pray, and then uh, we'll have an invitation, and you come forward. And if you also need pray for healing, I think some need healing, especially like with your back. And also I felt like with eyes and hearts today. Some of you have some trouble, struggle with your eyes or your heart or your back. If you need prayer with that, let's pray for you too, okay? So Holy Spirit, thank you that you made us in such a unique way to not live this extraordinary life just on Sundays, but every day, 24-7, so that tomorrow morning when we wake up, we go, wow, God, we have another day to pursue you to have this great adventure, to look for the dancing bear. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now, a unique set of eyes for everybody in this room so they wouldn't just see the routine things of their day, but they'd be able to see the Samaritan women and the children 
and see the spiritual activity that's even happening in the workplace. And then, God, I pray for sets of language, Lord, that's not just Christianese, but that's real and that's vibrant and, and cultural so that people can be re- relatable here. So, Lord, give them skills to adapt to their environments without compromising who they are in you. So, Father, I just pray for that unique blessing on them. Lord, I pray for every man here, God, too, that, Lord, you'd help them to stand firm, to be bold, and, Lord, not to be ashamed, not to have any fear, but to use all their gifts, whether they're in the arts or in business or community development, Lord, in a way that's extraordinary. So uniquely endow the men here as well. So, Holy Spirit, move in us in a way that your power is released in everyone for the rest of their lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.